0: Well, you know uh, Romans 1.14 is a very interesting verse, and the name of this message is called Gospel Watchmen. Gospel Watchmen. You say, "Oh, but I'm, I'm I'm not a man. I'm I'm a woman." So it's not to me. You no, know, uh, the word "man" is used in you know generically often for men and women, right? In the context of the way I'm using it, it's for all of us. Gospel Watchmen and women, if you want, okay. And we're all to be gospel watchmen. And you know, we all have a debt to God. Not a debt that we have to fulfill to be saved because we've been saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. Not a works that anyone should boast. Amen? But the next verse says after that, in Ephesians 2.10, that we are his workmanship. One translation is, we are his masterpiece. And that's not too grandiose because he's the master of masters. Amen. And we are his creation. And it says we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. God just didn't sit you to sit on some cloud and play a harp for eternity, man. And praise God for that. Sitting around playing music is beautiful. But he also made us for many, many other reasons, amen. And that is to serve him. And he leaves us here to preach the gospel. He leaves us here to test us, to strengthen us, to make us more Christ-like. He leaves us here to reach the lost, amen. Yeah. So we are debtors to the gospel. Now Romans 1.14 says this. I am a debtor, says Paul. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. He's a debtor. Paul realizes he's a debtor to the gospel. Again, not to pay back so he could be saved. He's saved by grace through faith. But we do have a sense of debt, all of us, because we have this glorious gospel that's been given for us, but Jesus didn't just die for us, amen? Now it's like, God, you know, it's my reasonable service, it says, now to serve him and to be living sacrifices. In fact, we can't be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23 and 24, he says, you know, you have to come after me to be my disciple. You have to deny yourselves, amen? Take up your crosses, deny yourself daily and follow me, amen? Now it's interesting when we look at what the scriptures say, we are debtors to the gospel, and. We need to lay our lives down. And Paul goes through Romans. The the most powerful treatise on the grace of God on the planet is Romans, the book of Romans. And Paul goes through the first, when he mentions us being a debtor in Romans 1.14, you get the idea why he's a debtor. Because he talks about how we've all broken the law, how we are all doomed without Christ, and how Jesus died for us. Amen. He saved us by his grace. And after 11 chapters of explaining this wonderful grace in chapter 12, He says, therefore, I beseech you by the mercies of God. I mean, based on all the mercy of God, the grace, the love of God that I've talked about for 11 chapters, that you offer up your bodies as living sacrifices, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable, amen. You did all this for me. You created me in your image. I rebelled against you. You came and were slaughtered in my place to save me from hell. Now guess what I should realize that you created me, you made me, you redeemed me. I belong to you. And we're supposed to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. Not being conformed to the world, but being transformed. Amen? By the renewing of our minds. So we're not supposed to be conformed to the world. We're supposed to be transformed, metamorphosized. When you look at the Greek word, that's where we get the word metamorphosis from. You're either a transformer or you're being conformed. Sometimes I like to say you're either a thermometer Or a thermostat. A thermometer takes on the temperature of its environment, right? We don't want to be like the world, amen? The world's going to hell. We want to be the thermostat, amen? We want to set the temperature, shine the light of Christ, be the salt of the earth, amen? And preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and affect the world that we live in, amen? So it's very, very important. Paul says he's a debtor, both to Greeks and to barbarians, to both to the wise and to the unwise. And it reminds me, he says he has a sense of debt to get the gospel to other people, that's how we ought to feel. In fact, I love it. A, a good illustration of that that I love in the Old Testament is when the Syrians were surrounding many of God's people, a, a Samarian city, many of God's people were there, and the Samaritans, uh, uh, the Syrians, were just going to lay it waste, right? And then a few of the lepers, about three of these guys, are hobbling over a hill into the Syrian camp where they're just going to be slaughtered. But they said, hey, who, you, you know, <laughs> how can we just we're just going to die anyway let's just go see if the syrians will give us some food sounds like a death wish but they're just like hey they're probably not just lepers but they're probably just skin and bones just trying to eke their way over the mountainside and then guess what god did i don't know what it sounded like but he caused the sound of an army probably not helicopters all right who knows but anyway uh they split the whole syrian camp just booked because it was this huge horde an army they thought What was it, God deceiving them? Well, what if they didn't move? What do you think would happen? God would have destroyed them. So yeah, there was an army coming. And they split. They took off. And they just left all the food there. And the Syrians like, it's empty. All the food. All the goods. They just left. And they wanted to munch out. But you know what one of them said? How could we do this? And not tell our countrymen in Samaria... How could we not care enough about them? This has all been delivered, but it's not just for us. It's for God's people, you know? And then they went over back to Samaria. The gates were opened, right? And the people f- took off and just had a lot of food, a lot of loot. But you don't want to... Now, I've, told, I've given messages before where, who's the, who are the lepers? We are the lepers. Amen? Unclean. We're unclean. The lepers are... They, they're you know separated. We're separated from God. Their sin affects you. Your your, your fingers kind of just go inwardly where you can't do anything. You know, and we were immobile. We couldn't do anything for the Lord. Their eyes sink in. They go blind. We were spiritually blind. They live in darkness. Uh, they they infect others often. And that was us. That's what sin does. Leprosy is a picture of sin. And we were saved by grace through faith. That's why the leper, when a leper got healed, guess what the process was? Break a pot with a dove in it, right? A a living bird, put it in a clay pot, and then break the pot, and then, you know, or I'm sorry, kill the bird, and then take another living dove and put that living dove's blood, or the the dead blood of, of blood from the dead dove, and put it on the living dove and let it go. What a picture of the gospel! The word, the flying one, God who flies, became flesh like a pot. And he was killed in our place. They used two doves because the priest wasn't able to resurrect the dove. So they took another one to picture the, what? Resurrection, amen, and ascension of Jesus. And then the leopard was pronounced clean. Well, Jesus, our heavenly dove, God became a man and cleaned us. And we're the lepers. And we're in debt. Because now we're feasting on the truths of the gospel, amen? Amen. We're being spiritually nourished. Now we need to not just hold it in and sit down and say, man, I'm going to gorge myself. We need to get up off our rear end and tell the people that are captive, because the the, the, uh, Syrians had a battle encampment around them, and God set them free. We're the captives that have been set free, amen? Jesus said he came to set the captives free, to proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captives, Amen. What a glorious deal. That's us. You've been set free from hell, from sin, from death, from the powers of darkness, amen, from eternal separation from God, from the world, from the flesh, from the devil, everything, man. You've been set free from so many things, and we need to rejoice, but we need to let other people know, amen. And the gospel's been spreading throughout the earth for years, and guess what? It spreads, and people come into the kingdom. They just need witnesses, amen. We need to be witnesses. So they spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's amazing because as we look at the scripture, we're debtors, and I want to again say that it's not by works that we're saved, it's by grace through faith, but we will be judged as Christians if we're continuing to abide in Christ, right, and we trust in Jesus, we endure to the end in our faith. He says, he that endures to the end will be saved. As long as we continue the faith, we'll stand before the Lord and be blessed, but we will be judged for what we do and don't do, which we'll see in a little bit you know, and what we do for the kingdom of God. But I want to encourage you guys. We have our marching orders, amen? The great, what's it called? The great what? Say a little more enthusiasm. The great what? great Great commission. I know a lot of you being humble, like, commission, you know. So it's not like you were just not enthusiastic, so. The great commission. In Matthew 28, 18. You might, you might hear me say, he quotes that of verse, let's, right, because as a pastor, i got to remind us of our marching orders, man. Right. right? And Jesus said in verse 18, all power, not dunamis there, exousia, has the word, the word for authority there. All authority has been given to me, and dunamis he has too, by the way, all dunamis, in heaven and on earth, amen. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the nations, amen. amen. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. That's why you don't reject Jesus' teachings, which a lot of hyper-dispensationalists do. Everything I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to what? The end of the age. He's with us now. He's in the midst of us. It's his church. We glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. He's here. When you worship him, worship as though he's in heaven because he is, but also worship him as though he's in your midst because he is. He walks amidst the candlesticks. Amen? He's in our very midst. He's with you wherever you go if you're a believer. Amen? So we fear him. We love him. We worship him. But we recognize that we serve a mighty God and we have this great commission. Look how seriously Paul took this commission. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He recognized, as we've seen, that he's a debtor to the gospel. And he says in verse 16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe, what does he say? For what? Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He recognizes that if he's not serious about getting the gospel out of other people, if he doesn't preach the gospel, He pronounces a woe upon himself. Woe signifies judgment. Because he recognizes he's been saved by God's grace, but God's called him now to preach. But he doesn't want to be like Jonah, right? And go the other way. Now God was patient with Jonah, amen? Woo, man, but it took some... So if you're like, man, I've neglected preaching the gospel. I haven't shared with people. Well, you've been a Jonah then, okay? But God was patient with Jonah. He's being patient with you but he wants us to share the good news. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, and the bride say, Come, let him who is thirsty come, let him who hears come. Whoever desires the water of life, let him come and drink freely. Amen? That's right after he described the, 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 the river of life that comes out of God's throne in 22.1, several verses before that. But the Spirit and the Bride say come. That means the church is saying come along with the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And guess what? The Holy Spirit wants to cry out to people through you. Come to Jesus. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to share. And we grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't walk in the Spirit. Then we're spiritually constipated. Okay? We're not doing the will of God. And then we won't experience the love and the peace and the joy and the fruit of the Spirit the way we ought to. None of us are going to be perfect until Jesus comes. But we, if we walk in the Spirit, we're going to want to shine His light. Amen? Amen? Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Don't hide the light under a bushel, he said. Amen? He said, you're the salt of the earth. We've got to get the salt out of the shaker. And Paul recognized he was a debtor, so he says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. And look how seriously he took this. It's, it's, it's so important that we see. Uh, look at verse 24. He goes on to say, do you not know that those who run in the in a race all run? But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. He's not saying, hey, this is only for apostles. I'm the only one in the race, just apostles. No. He's telling the Corinthian Christians that they need to be make sure they're running the race. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. That's the Olympics were going on in, in Paul's days, man. The Greek started the Olympics and Paul used those as pictures in other games that were going around in the Roman world. They do so to receive a what? Perishable wreath. But we are what? Imperishable. We get an eternal crown, man. He say, man, these Olympian athletes, they work their tails off. They deny themselves. They do all this. They just, blood, sweat, and tears. Some of them die, you know, doing it. But they do it to get a perishable crown. and Most of them don't even get that perishable crown. But when they get it, they get this crown like, whoa, look at me. And that thing just fades away. But man, how much more should we be denying ourselves for the gospel's sake? Amen. Because we're receiving an imperishable crown from Jesus. Amen. Verse 26, therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. He has a purpose in his life, man. Jesus, 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 and making him known, knowing him, making him known. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body. And make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be what? Disqualified, Disqualified man. He preaches, he watches as Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He warned that the Holy Spirit speaks expressly that at the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heat to seducing spirits. But he warns Timothy so that doesn't happen to him in verse 16. He says, watch your life, your behavior, and your doctrine, what you believe, what you're teaching. And you'll save both yourself and those who hear you. So we need to run the race to win so we're not disqualified. I've shared with you before that word disqualified in the Greek is very, very, very serious. It's adakamas. And I don't want to get into it long because I have a lot of scriptures I want to share with you. But that's the very word that Paul used of being condemned and being without Christ in 2 Corinthians 3.5 where he says that he examine yourself to see if you're the faith. Christ is in you. He lives in you unless you are adakamas right here. Same word. So Paul did not want to be without Christ in the end. He beat his body down, denied himself, picked up his cross, and continued on his race until the end. Amen? At the end of his life, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6-8, through 8, he said he'd fought the good fight, right? He'd right, finished his race. He'd kept the faith. He says, therefore, there's laid up for me, not for me only, but all those who love his appearing, a crown of righteousness that will be given to me. Amen? He finished his race. How did he finish his race? In the book of Acts, he told that same church that Timothy was pastoring. He says, I have not considered my own life dear to me. I didn't put myself before Jesus. He didn't do what sec- he said would happen to a lot of people in the last days where terrible times would come, where they'd be lovers of their own selves and love pleasures more than lovers of God. How many of us are putting pleasures before God? How much are thinking how we can get gratified through the week and what we could do to just bless ourselves more than glorifying Jesus? More than getting the gospel out, more than living for Him, more than taking up our crosses, more than denying ourselves, more than following Him. Be very, very careful. It's very easy. It's very, very easy for professing Christians to just check in on a Sunday morning and then the their lives just live for themselves and live for the flesh and not walk in the Spirit and not seek the salvation of the lost and not pray for people. Let's let not that happen to us, amen? amen. Let the Lord shake us out of our slumber that we can be Jesus-focused, that we can be gospel-focused, amen? amen. Man, we have one life to live. Let's make sure we live it for Jesus. Yes. Our best life is not now. Our best life is in heaven, amen? amen. But we live it for Jesus now. And guess what? If you live it for Jesus now, if you live it spiritually, and not as many talk, you know, people preach happiness more than holiness today. The Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Amen? Amen? So it's imperative that we recognize that we must seek Jesus, and he must be first in our lives. Now, how much you get the gospel out or don't get it out? We'll be judged on that in regard to how much rewarded, but we judge in regard to our salvation, whether we're trusting Jesus or not. Amen? Whether he's first in our lives or not. Now, it's interesting because Paul's, it was an obstacle course for Paul. The race that he was in was an obstacle course. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians. He says, chapter 11, Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if in saying, I more so, and far more labors, and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. Can you imagine being beaten by the Roman uh, you know, magistrates? Where We lost count how many times you were beaten. <laughs> Often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes, also beaten. You can remember how many times the Jews beat him with 39 times. Five times 39 lashes each time. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times it doesn't mean having a good time snapping bong loads. He means stoned to death, left for dead. But he was he lived through it. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? What a life! Do you think Paul would change that life for any other life? No. no, man. Imagine hanging out with him around a campfire, hearing his stories, right? And then he's like, well, what's your life like? Well, I just watched this. I, I binge watched this series on Netflix, you know? And uh, really? Do you really want to be known for that? Okay. I'm not saying you can't watch a movie. You can't uh, watch a television show, stuff like that. But I'm saying don't let that define your life. But do make sure what you're doing isn't contrary to the gospel, amen. It's not blasphemous or you know, promoting perversion and stuff. But it's very, very important that we recognize we have this serious call in our lives, amen. And wow, I love how Paul ran his race. But you know what? We are also in the same race. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which is his third letter to the Corinthians. We don't have the very first one, but in 1 Corinthians, he mentions the letter he wrote before that, which would have been made 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Second Corinthians, 3 Corinthians. But since we only have two, it's First and Second. But look at what we read in chapter 5, verse 10. Paul says, for we, what? How many of us? For most of us, did he say, or we must all? We must all, that's every one of you. Every one of us. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So, that each of one may receive recompense or be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Every single Christian is going to stand before the Bema seat. Okay, don't confuse this with the great white throne judgment. Okay, there are two judgments going on. There is the great white throne judgment, which... All the wicked who've rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, who are in Hades, they leave their bodies, they're separated from God, all of these folks, guess what's going to happen? Well, they'll go lake of fire. That's right, Gregory. They'll be resurrected to damnation, as it says, in condemnation in Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Jesus spoke about that in John chapter 5, verse 29, 28 through 30. He says, then they shall hear his voice, and the dead shall hear his voice. And they that have done good will be resurrected to the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. So in Acts chapter uh, 20, you read verses 11 through 15, you have the great white throne judgment where the sea gives up its dead. Hades gives up its dead. And they stand before God and the books are opened, which is probably their deeds, what they've done. And their deeds would condemn them, just as our deeds would condemn us if we were just based on our, judged based on our deeds. Amen. Praise God, we as Christians aren't based on, judged based on our deeds, amen? We're rewarded based on our deeds, but we're not condemned based on them if we're Christians. Why? Because Romans, or because Jesus said in John 6, 24, I should say the gospel John says in chapter 6, verse 24, he says, he that believes, and it's in the continuous tense, present tense, he that believes and continues to believe has passed from death to life and will not come into judgment. condemnation. Judgment, most translations say judgment. Same thing. If you're trusting in Jesus by his precious blood, you will not come into condemnation. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But those who are not trusting Jesus will end up at the great white throne judgment. And then the book of life will be opened and everyone's name who's not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Serious stuff here. But guess what? When Jesus returns, that won't happen until over a thousand years after Jesus returns. Because when Jesus returns, we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. Amen. We'll come back. To the, he's coming down to put his feet on the Mount of Olives, but we caught up to meet him. Then he'll, he'll, be, he'll start his reign. And we will have what's called the Bema Seat Judgment. We'll stand before him. All of us, it says. Every one of us. also says that in Romans chapter 14, that we'll all stand before God's judgment seat. And right here it says it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that each and every one of us will stand before the Bema Seat of God. And guess what? We'll be judged for what we've done as Christians If you're trusting Jesus, thank God you're not going to hell. Amen? But will we be rewarded or lose rewards based on what we have or have not done? Now check this out. This is where it gets really interesting because of what we're called to do. And on what basis do you think some of that judgment will be? Well, I think the context reveals it. Verse 10, for we must all. Okay. That's Mark right there. That's Luke. That's Kathy. That's Joe. That's everybody here. Jeremy, keep going back. Gregory, all you guys. Myself. Will all stand before the judgment of God, the the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Jesus said in Matthew 12, even every idle word will be brought into judgment. Wow. Verse 11. Therefore, look what he says, therefore, Meaning, in light of the, what's the therefore, therefore? In light of what he's just said, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we still need to fear God. Amen. Even though you're saved by grace through faith, he's still thrice holy. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He's still a consuming fire. He loves us. He became a man and died in our place because he's also loved, 1 John 4, 8, 1 John 4, 16. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we What? We persuade men. Knowing that there is going to be a great way thrown judgment and knowing that we've been saved by His grace and knowing that we're going to be judged for what we did or didn't do. We persuade men. Why? Well, because people are lost. They need the gospel, amen? And we're debtors to the gospel. And because we're going to stand before God and give an account for what we did or didn't do. Amen? Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. We persuade them. We even seek to talk them into being saved. We talk them off the ledge. Hey, you're jumping into the lake of fire if you continue down this broad road of destruction. Don't jump! Let Jesus save you. You don't want to be there forever. Look what he did for you. He made you. He died in your place. We persuade them. We persuade men. But we are made manifest to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. Now this is very interesting because look what he says a few verses later. Based, after he just mentioned that, we're going to stand before God to give an account. We're supposed to be persuading men. Look at verse 17. Therefore, anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creature. A new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, what? New things have come. You know, I have to read that carefully because I have not memorized in the King James. But uh, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, a new creature. behold, old things have passed away and all things have become new. Who's that? Who's he talking to here? All of us. Well, what does he say to all of us? Verse 18. Now, all of these things are from God, thank you, Jesus, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Praise the Lord. We've been reconciled to God through what Christ did on the cross. Amen. And he gave us what? The ministry of what? Reconciliation. What did he give? Does it say he gave this to pastors? Does it say he gave this to elders and deacons? Sunday school workers. No. Yes. But all of us. That's you and me. He gave you a ministry. He's given us the what? Ministry of reconciliation. You have a ministry. I encourage you. When people ask you what you do, what do you do? You can say I'm a minister but you're a lady I didn't say I'm a pastor but I am a minister amen we are all ministers of the gospel amen I've told people if there's somebody dying in the road and people are laying around and they don't know if the ambulance get there in time they say we need a minister every one of you who are Christians can say I'm a minister you are where's your clerical collar where's your robe I'm um, robed in the righteousness of Christ. Well, you probably don't want to get into that theological debate. You probably want to be praying for that person, right? But, you know, amen. You're, you're, we're new creations. Everyone that's a new creation in Christ is a what? A minister. I believe what is Satan's most effective lies in immobilizing the church, in debilitating the church, is robbing them for the reality that they are a minister. I hate the idea. I don't have the word pastor on my door out there. I know we have titles in the Bible so are biblically used but I don't have it in my office door. I've never wanted to put it up there. I don't dress different than everybody else because guess what? I am a minister of the gospel. Yes, I have a certain role to fulfill but I want everybody to know, guess what? We're equal before the Lord in what we do. We're all called. We all have the same duty to get the gospel out. Amen? Amen. It's by grace we're saved. I'm just happy to be here. Happy to be in and happy to share and help to help mobilize the troops for Jesus. But Satan wants there to be a distinction between Christian leaders and the so called laity. Man, guess what? We're all the ministers of the gospel together. I'm not shirking, I'm not, because Satan would also like to just create anarchy and destroy roles too between men and women, right? Between genders, between leadership and so forth. I know we're not about that either, amen? But you have to have the biblical balance. Yes, God called us to certain roles, but we're all ministers. You need to start seeing who you are in Christ. You're a minister of the gospel. We saw, Wednesday, you're a fisherman, amen? You may have never, caught, you may have never even catch a little minnow, okay? But pff, you, catch, you catch one soul for Jesus, man, that trumps the biggest, biggest fish that ever been caught that people are known for, amen? Because the angel of heaven rejoice over just one sinner that comes repentance. And all you have to do is pass out tracts. All you have to do is sow seeds. All you have to do is let the Lord use you, amen? Because guess what? Eventually, people are going to come to Christ, You can't just keep sowing all your life without bearing some fruit. Amen? Just bear the fruit. Just sow the seeds. God will bear the fruit. Amen? One waters, right? One sows the seed. One waters. But it says God gives the what? He's the one that gives the increase. Your job is just to get the word out. Amen? But we're going to stand before the Lord. He's given us. So raise your hand if you're a minister. Come on. All the hands should go up to those Christians. Praise the Lord. Every hand should go up for those who are Christians. We're all ministers of the gospel. And it says in verse 19, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. We have a ministry of reconciliation. Wow. There's no more important thing that could happen to you on this planet than that you get saved. That you're reconciled, meaning brought back to the father jesus says i'm the way the truth the life no one comes to the father but through me amen there's one mediator between god and man the man christ jesus first timothy 2 5 acts four twelve. there's no name given under heaven whereby men must be saved but by the name of jesus amen so jesus is that one mediator. he said i am the door amen you can't come any other way because only he paid the price so he's our mediator that brings us to the father but we get to share the gospel of what he did for people so they can act on the gospel respond to it come to jesus come to the father and be saved amen because he's the way the truth and the life He's a narrow road that leads to life. And we share the gospel of Jesus Christ and they come, man. What joy that brings. Heaven. It should bring joy to us. We should be excited about sharing the gospel. We should say, man, I can't believe it. I'll tell you what, man. I've had a life before Christ where he looked forward for the weekends and I'd get drunk and stoned and all that stuff and miserable. Miserable during, miserable later, sometimes laughing when I'm stoned, sometimes not, sometimes paranoid because I smoke too much pot, you know, or whatever. But you know what? My life was jacked up, man. When I came to Jesus, you know my most joyous times by far? is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, the, the brothers and sisters that took the youth, a bunch of the youth, not only from this fellowship, but they invited other people. It was one of the most joyous. Would you guys have done that? Say that was one of the most joyous times of your life? You know, raise your hand if you're saying, yeah, that's true. Well, praise the Lord. Were you there, Gregory? No, you brought Gregory. He's just envisioned himself being there. But those that just went on that retreat, man, it was just awesome. And I, know, I man, I've just been, you know, I go and share the gospel, man. I drive home and I'm just like, just singing praise songs. So happy. Even when you get rejected or spit upon, you say, praise God. The disciples got whipped and flogged and warned, not go back in that town. It says they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer for his namesake. Man, because you have the inner peace and joy that you're serving the one who gave himself for you, the one who loves you, the one who's coming back. Amen? It's such an awesome reality. Now, it's interesting. You have been given uh, this ministry. Verse 19, let's read that. Namely, he tells us exactly what that ministry is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That God was in Christ reconciling, bringing the world back to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Because Christ died for them, right? And he has committed to us. That's every single Christian. He's committed to us the word of what? Reconciliation. Amen? We all have this word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. We are what? Ambassador for Christ. As though God were what? Making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ be what? Reconciled to God. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Man, you guys, think about that. You're an ambassador for Christ. You're a minister of the gospel. It's as though Christ is speaking through you, which he is. And you're begging people for their eternal soul's sake to be reconciled to God. Come to him now before it's too late. Get right with God. Have your sins forgiven. Have them cast as far as the east is from the west. So you're not cast in the lake of fire. Get right with God. Amen. You cry out. You let God speak through you. You pray, Father, Father, give me confidence to preach your word. Give me boldness to preach your word. And then he'll, he'll open your mouth. I know a lot of us are like, I don't know if I can share. Then just take a track. But also pray, Lord, speak to me and speak through me. Because guess what God can do? It's an easy thing for the Lord if you just trust him. Moses, remember, I can't speak. You know, I, maybe some, a lot of people, stuttered and stuff. God said, I'll be with your mouth. He'll be with your mouth. Amen? Amen. Preach the gospel. Preach the word. you will be given a ministry of reconciliation. You are an ambassador. Amen, yeah. You can also tell your friends, you know, well, you work at McDonald's flipping burgers? Yeah, but I'm also an ambassador. You're an ambassador? Yeah. You are an, if you're in Christ, this is still talking about those who are in Christ Jesus. You're an ambassador. But it's not like being an ambassador from the United States, you know, to the UN or some nation, you know. It's, yeah, it's not. It's right. It's way, way better. Okay. Can you imagine working for Biden? I'm sorry. Lord, pray for him in Jesus' name. Okay. Lord, strengthen them to know Jesus. Amen. But it's a mess out there, man. But we are ambassadors for Christ. Is there a minister here? We need help. We need. I, I'm an ambassador and a minister. Oh, you don't want to say that. I know you're like, you know. But I'm just saying, know who you are in Christ. You're fishermen, you're ambassadors, you're, you're, you're ministers, you're, you're firemen. The Bible says in Jude 2021, 21, snatch them from the fire. Amen. We got a lot of firemen in this church. And women. Amen. So it's awesome, you guys. We got the power of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so it's the power of God of salvation to everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Greek. And you know what? You, it's not your job to convert people. You persuade them. You offer them the truth. You are the ambassador. You represent not just... A, a pre- Would you rather represent President Biden or the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? You have an incredible ministry, man. We represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it's funny because the thing about ambassadors, when they're away, they never feel at home. We're not at home. We have a dual citizenship, but our ultimate home is in heaven. The Bible says your citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Your names are in the book of life. Your names are written in heaven if you're trusting Jesus, amen? That's an awesome reality. This is temporary. Jesus says, I've chosen you out of this world. He said, you are not of this world. The Bible says that we represent our king and that says the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of Christ. So what do we preach? We preach the gospel of the kingdom, man. We preach that our coming, our king is coming. These signs of what's going on show you that the world is in wickedness and thank God he's coming because the world, if Jesus didn't come, the whole world would be destroyed, it says. No flesh would be saved if, we let, if Jesus left it to itself. Right now, I mean, we just, I don't know if you saw the news this morning. I saw it last night before I went to bed. Good. Russia and China have amassed, you know, some, what was it, ships or what have you, toward Alaska, making a show of force of aggression against our country. Well, that's pretty crazy. Those are the two world powers. Greatest world power second to us, supposedly. And I look at that, I'm like, well, Jesus is coming back, man. These guys are all going to keep fighting and no flesh will be saved, but Jesus is coming back and we're announcing the coming of our king. We're preaching the gospel of the kingdom and we're saying, and what is the gospel of the kingdom? You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And you can all be born again. And he went on to describe that to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world, he said to him after that, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen? And that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him should be, might be saved. Amen? So you preach the gospel. You preach the good news. In Matthew chapter 10, and this shows you, I look at this verse because I want you to think, well, man, I've shared a lot, but no one's come to Christ yet through me. Your responsibility is just be faithful and speak the truth in love and speak it accurately. Because Jesus said in Matthew 10, 14, whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of the house, from one house, uh, uh, of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. So, man, you, you're in a city and they reject the gospel. You go to the a house, they reject the gospel. You shake the dust off your feet. And that's a warning, by the way, to them. Because the Jews regarded the heathen, the pagan nations, they were wicked. They were practicing human sacrifice, all kinds of things. And they looked at their very soil. They leave a city, and they, or they leave a pagan area, and they come back into Israel. They shake the dust off their feet. Because they knew those nations were under judgment. Unfortunately, they forgot that they were supposed to be a light to the world. Well guess what Jesus is saying as you go even through Israel he's talking about in this context and they don't receive the gospel let them know that they're polluted and they're under judgment. You've done your job. Okay. You've done your job. That's important. In fact look at Acts chapter 13. Look at what Paul says in Acts chapter 13. Verse 49. Acts 13 49. The the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they what? They shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. Isn't that interesting? They didn't listen. They shook the dust off their feet as a warning. Guess what? You're worse than the pagans, man. Or you are like pagans. I mean, you're just going to be... you know, in huge trouble here. It's interesting, isn't it? Oh, but look it. Well, they must have been really depressed because nobody accepted their message there. Well, no. Some would. But look at verse 52. And the disciples were what? Filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, man. You do God's work, whether they accept it or not. You give the message, you'll have the joy of the Lord. Because you're in His will. There's no better place to be on earth than in the center of God's will. Amen. There's no better place on earth than to be in the center of God's will. That's where we want to be, amen? Now, it's interesting. Go to Acts chapter 18, verse 6. I don't have time because I'm running out of time here to get into a lot of the background here, so I'm just going to read some verses and explain a little bit. But verse 6 says, But when they opposed Paul, because he's preaching the gospel, and they became abusive, that word can speak of blasphemy, blaspheming the, Paul's blaspheming Jesus, and so forth, perhaps, and became abusive, he shook out his what? His clothes and protests, and said to them, you, uh, Your blood be on what? Your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I go to the Gentiles. So he took the, shook the dust off his clothes, even. We see a Nehemiah doing the same thing. He, 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 un, he shakes the dust or makes like a pocket in his robe and shakes it off he, as, a, as a warning of a curse if people do not walk in the Word of God. And it's interesting. Now we go to Acts 20 because Paul's in Miletus and he's talking to the elders there of the church at Ephesus and he's just told them that he's going to be in prison in Jerusalem and that uh, he's not going to ever see them again, at least in this world. And he said that in Acts chapter 20 verses 22 through 25. But look at verse 25 now. Look what Paul says. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom of, preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Verse 26, therefore I testify to you this day that I am what? Innocent of the blood of what? All men. There's again. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. What's Paul saying? He said twice now, chapter 18, chapter 13, they shook their garments uh, as a warning. Chapter 13, he says, I'm innocent of your blood. Chapter 20, he's saying, I'm innocent of the blood. What's he talking about? That's right. Amen, Jeremy. Ezekiel chapter 33. He has the prophet Jeremiah in mind. He recognizes that he's under this commitment to work. Woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. Again. In fact, in Jeremiah, in Ezekiel 3, before we even get 33, listen to this. God tells Ezekiel, son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman to the house of Israel, Whenever you hear a word from my mouth and warn them from me, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. And if you do not warn him or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked way, that he may live, that wicked man shall die, and in his iniquity, in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. I mean, if you don't warn him, his blood is going to be—you're going to be responsible for his blood. Wow. Verse nineteen. Yet if you have warned the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness. Or trust in his wicked way; he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered yourself. Again, when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I place an obstacle before him, he will die, since you have not warned him. He shall die in his sin, and his righteous deeds, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But the blood I require at your hand. Verse twenty-one. However, if you have warned the righteous uh, man, uh, the, the righteous should turn from his way, and he and he does not sin. He shall surely live because he has took warning and you have delivered yourself. Wow, man. We just have to make sure we give the message. We're not responsible for making them turn. We want to persuade them. We want to love them. We want to share the truth in love and care for their souls. But they have to make the decision. The Holy Spirit converts them. He uses us to persuade them but ultimately he is the one that brings them to Christ. We just have to be faithful. I mean, after the service, after the worship, I was looking, over, looking for Gerald because he just led worship. And then I, uh, or I said, Doug led worship. I was looking for Gerald, and I was like, man, I want to talk to him about not this Sunday, but next Sunday's worship, if we can make sure we have the whole team up there for any visitors we may have, amen? And, just have, and I'm looking for Doug, I'm looking for Gerald, and then I went upstairs, I found Yvonne, his wife, and I said, you know where Gerald is? She goes, I think he's downstairs, and I go, okay. And then she said, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you let him know I need help up here? Because all the little kids are there, right? And Ariel is running to me, clinging to pop up, and I'm like, sure. And then I found Gerald down here, and guess what? I said, Gerald, your wife wants you up there. She needs help. And I went like this. I went like this. Wait, that's my feet. I left, you know. <laughs> he probably didn't know what I was doing, but I was like, I'm clean, man. No, no, I didn't do that. But I, I, I let him know, you know, he'd probably be an illustration uh, for my message because it fit pretty good. But I didn't. Now, if she comes to me later, I'm like, I told him, you know. But poor Gerald, he was doing double duty. He's being an usher, you know, too. He's like, I, go, I know how you feel. You feel like you need a, clone, a couple clones sometimes, but that's not how it works, is it? And, uh, he, but he had to do the, take the offering and everything, and everything was cool. But you guys, it's a, we have this obligation. It, but guess what? When we share, now it's not our responsibility. But if we're not sharing, their blood is on our head. Listen to Ezekiel 33, verse 8. 33, verse 8. And it's very similar to what I just read to you. Uh, it says, When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from your hand. Wow. So Paul preached everywhere. He preached to government officials, he preached to pagans, he preached to Gentiles, he preached to Jews, he preached to women, to men, to Greek philosophers, to the mobs that wanted to destroy him. He he preached all kinds of places, he preached at the riversides, and prisons, and synagogues, and the temple, uh, homes, marketplaces, the Areopagus of Athens, Mars Hill, he preached everywhere. And guys, we can share the gospel, we can take the gospel tracts and bring them anywhere, Amen? amen? We can share in restaurants, we can share, I I share a lot of restaurants, in bathrooms, you can leave tracks in bathrooms, you can leave them on cars in certain places, you know, Uh, marketplaces, you know, shopping centers, come on, man, try to get used to carrying tracks with you. If you're a woman and you got a purse, man, grab some tracks. Well, I don't know if my purse will hold it. Well, get rid of some of the stuff that's in there that you might not need, because tracks are important, amen? And guys, if I see you with a purse, it better not look like a woman's purse, better be tracks in there, you know? They better not be a purse, even right? But I tell you what, we need to get busy. And I, I'm like Jimmy. I don't know where they went, but we usually have uh, tracks up on the front. And I was I went and looked for some. So I don't know what happened, but there's none up there right now. So if we can replace those, and we got a bunch of tracks coming. We usually almost every week. I don't know what happened. They they got moved. But even if we're shuffling things, what's that? We're remodeling, but we can remodel and still have tracks on the on the on the table. You know? Okay. But uh, praise God. I know it's a lot, a lot of work, but we need to do that. So uh, now it's interesting when he said, I, you know, I preach the whole gospel, you know. When he says he's free from the blood of all men, listen to what he says a little bit more. Solemnly, and this is verse 21. I'm backing up now. Solemnly testifying. That's a forensic term. That's a legal term. He testifies. I'm solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ He says, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent for the blood of all men for I did not shrink back from declaring the whole purpose of God. We do not. We preach the whole gospel. Amen. Paul said in Romans 11, I preach the goodness and the severity of God. Consider the goodness and the severity of God. We don't don't not talk about hell. We don't skip things. We aren't promoting happiness above holiness. We're, we're, We're preaching Jesus. Amen. And true holiness. And when people know Jesus and they live a holy life, then guess what? then they have happiness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you, says Jesus. Amen. So we want to continue to preach the gospel. You know? And these Joel Olstein and, and Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar and all these false prosperity teachers that are just tickling people's ears, Paul warned, in the context of being judged for what we preach, he says to preach the gospel in season, out of season. And right before that, he said, in light of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to judge the living and the dead. We're to be judged. He said, preach the gospel. In season of reproving, rebuking, exhorting with all long-suffering doctrine, for the time will come when they'll not heed sound doctrine, but after their own desires, they'll heap themselves many teachers who what? Tickle the ears and tell them what they want to hear. That's not us. We're not trying to be a mega church. We're trying to reach people who truly want to follow Jesus and be a light on a hill, amen. So there's a fellowship full of Christians that love Jesus, not people that are just there for the goodies. We don't come for what's at his table, we come for him, amen. And praise the Lord, he blesses us with things at his table. But we take those things and bless others with it, because we're debtors to the gospel. And if guess what, folks? If we just preach a soft gospel, which is no gospel at all, and we don't preach repentance, we don't preach the blood of Christ, we don't warn people about hell. I like what the revivalist Leonard Ravenhill said. He says if Jesus had preached the same message that ministers preach today, he would never have been crucified. Isn't that the truth? One of my favorite Keith Green songs is I Pledge My Head to Heaven. He put in that song about putting the gospel first. Listen to what he writes. He sang, Well, I pledge my wife to heaven for the gospel. Though our love each passing day just seems to grow, as I told her when we wed, I'd surely rather be found dead than to love her more than the one who saved my soul. I'm your child, and I want to be in your family forever. I'm your child, and I'm going to follow you. No matter whatever the cost, I'm going to count all things lost. Well, I pledge my son to heaven for the gospel. Though he's kicked and beaten, ridiculed and scorned, I will teach him to rejoice and lift a thankful, praising voice and to be like him who bore the nails and crown of thorns. Oh, no matter whatever the cost, I'm going to count all things lost. Well, I pledge my son, I pledge my wife, I pledge my head to heaven. I pledge my son, I pledge my wife, I pledge my son, to, my, my, my head to heaven for the gospel. And I thought, that's, those are interesting, that's an interesting way, you know, that song, I pledge my head to heaven. But then I realized Keith Green got that from Leonard Ravenhill uh, in his revival time, in Why Revival Tarries. And Leonard Ravenhill talks about, he, he quotes, and actually they come from Ravenhill, He got it from Ravenhill, but Ravenhill is quoting Joseph Parker, who was an 18th century or a preacher in the 1800s, a contemporary of Charles Spurgeon's. And listen to what he wrote. This is where that song went from here, to Leonard Ravenhill, Why Revival terries, to Keith Green. Joseph Parker wrote, The man whose little sermon is repent, sets himself against his age. And will for the time being be battered mercilessly by the age whose moral tone he challenges. There is but one end for such a man, off with his head. You had better not try to preach repentance until you have pledged your head to heaven. Amen? That's powerful, man. Make sure you belong to Jesus, amen? Make sure he's first in your life. Then you don't have to have any fear except the fear of God because a lion can swallow your body, but he can't swallow your soul, amen? Let's pledge our heads to heaven, amen? Say, my, I belong to Jesus. I want to finish the course that he's put me on. I want to be free from the blood of all men. Amen? Guess what? What happens, what do you think happens to me before God if I say, you know what, I just want one perpetual vacation for the rest of my life in Maui and I'm not going to share the gospel anymore? I would be in huge trouble with God. Amen? You'd have to, then you'd even have to question if I'm really a Christian then, right? Because that doesn't sound like faith even. But am I the only minister of reconciliation that is going to be judged for God by God here? No, all of us are going to stand before God to give an account for our, what we've done in our bodies or out of our bodies. Let's get busy, Amen. And you know what? I don't even have to give these types of messages because we've had times where we're going to like, go to Mexico and we're going to, you know, reach the lost. And we had I think hundred over hundred people went. It was amazing. We're not called Mexico. We're just, right now, I mean, praise God for going to Mexico in those places. But I'm saying right now, we're called for this next couple weeks. This church, at least, is. Just, let's, let's hit the houses, man. You might say, hey, I want to go with the wagons, you know. Aaron, can you wave your hand? Go talk to Aaron if you want to be part of that crew because he's going to be leading up those crews. We're going to see. If, if you want to be part of that wagon crew, which is going to be so cool. You to be, Can you imagine people coming to your door and offering you these cool gifts? It doesn't happen these days. But we have an even better gift, Jesus, but that gets us in the door, okay? So go to Aaron and say, I want to be part of that crew. Some of you are saying, "I think you do great at that." You know, you just go, "Hey, we got to get for you." If you're others, you're like, "No, man, I want to hit the homes with tracks, man. I want to just hit as many as I can and get these tracks in people's houses." Or you might be saying, "You know what? I can't go door to door, you know, but I can help buy a bunch of tracks, or I can help hit, even hit mailers out. I'd love to, Lord, thank you, boom, and mail one of these to every person in Simi Valley, okay? Where it's like every single person gets that track because they're not even track, and everybody's into what's going on with celebrities And before they know it. It's like the bulls. Like, Whoa, I need to get ready with God. And who knows? I think there'll be a lot of fruit through that. But pray about that as well. God can use us all in different ways. Amen. But I want to encourage you. Let him use you. One plants, right? One waters, another reaps. We all have different roles in the kingdom, but we need to be busy about our roles. But God gives the increase. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand and pledge our heads to heaven.